So uh, about a couple years ago when um, George Bush was in office, I, uh, he sent out a bunch of checks. I don't know if you, if you got one of those, $300 stimulus package check and all this kind of stuff with specific instructions to uh, use it to buy stuff. And so uh, being the model citizen uh, that I am and uh, the, the Christian man that I am to follow my leaders, uh, I used the money to buy an iPhone. And so uh, they had, uh, it was, it was kind of like when, you know, they had the initial iPhone thing and then, you know, they couldn't keep enough on the shelf. So this was just like a couple weeks after that. And you had to call around to see if people had them. And so I called this one Apple store and, or I was online or whatever, and they had like 25 there that morning. So I showed up early and uh, I brought my son with me. Now, at that time, <clears throat> he was eight years old. And so the deal was with my wife was that I was going to get an iPhone, but I had to babysit for the morning uh, as penance. And so... Uh, <laughs> So uh, we're, we're in line, and uh, my son's awesome now, being older, but at the time, you know, he was eight, and, 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 and just so you know, those of you who aren't there yet with their kids, that's not a good place for an eight-year-old boy, uh, is standing in line for a couple hours waiting to get an iPhone. So we're there, and it hits me, I know what I'll do, I'll have him run. So what we did was, we were in an outdoor mall, kind of, and I said, you see that plant down there? And he said, the green one? And I said, no, no, the one way down there. I want you to run to that plant and run all the way back, and I'll time you. And so, sure enough, we say, ready, set, go. He leaves. All the other parents are looking at me like, dude, nice call. Way to go. I'm just like, well, I'm a professional, so that's good. Um, so he runs, and you know, he, he, he's coming back, and, I, and I'm just like, you know, one, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, you know how you do that with your kids, and then they start coming, and you're like, you slow it way down, like 47, 48, okay, 48, so he gets done, you know, hands on the knees, he's huffing and puffing, wants to do it again, I'm just like, I'm like father of the year right now, so, so, you know, he takes off. Of course, now, now he's tired, you know, but you know, you're a dad. What do you do? So, you, you know, he has to be 48. So you're just like, you're sitting there talking to people. He starts coming back. You're like, 34, 35. Oh, my goodness. You know, by the time we were done, I think he was doing it in under 10 seconds. I don't know how that works. <laughs> because, because he was racing, you know. Yesterday, I went to a different kind of race. I went to the CIF prelims or or I don't know what you call them, finals, or no, like playoffs. Or I, I don't know what you call them in track, but it was CIF prelims. Now, that was a completely different race. I mean, they'd get on their, on, I mean, the track was beautiful. It was about two years old, rubberized track. They had the best um, referees there stationed all over in their red, whatever those suits. I mean, wow. Um, and, and then they had, uh, at the finish, they had two cameras going right down the finish line for a photo finish just in case. Why? Because it was important now. The race, this race was important. And see, the more important the race, the better you have to be at defining the rules. 
So the, 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 the referee has a gun, and that gun has a wire that goes, to, goes on the ground, goes all the way to a, a, a computer, and when he fires that gun, a digital clock on that computer starts, and you can see it right up there at the finish line. I mean, and it goes to the hundredth of the second. And so they hit that gun, and I mean, it is serious business. And I'm telling you, some of these people can run. I mean, they're just specimens, even in high school. I mean, they finished, I, I, they finished a race, and I'm like, I could do it that fast. And then, like, did we mention it was the two-mile? I'm like, oh, no, I thought it was the mile. So, uh, but, I mean, they're just smoking. And so they have all this equipment, and there's fans everywhere, and everything's a big deal because the race was so important. If you, if you were in the top three, you go on to the quarterfinals or whatever the whole thing is. I mean, it, the more important the race, the more well-defined, the more uh, importance goes into how we're going to run that race. And we see this all the time, you know, in, in football now. They got the, um, you know, you can do the instant replay. And they got HD cameras from all different angles. Why? Because we want to get it right because if it could be just one inch and they don't get that first down and the game's over and it's lost, and that's important to them. Okay. So we, we know that. The more important the race, the more we have to be on the rules. The more clear everything has to be. Imagine now if... Uh, all this training goes on, and it's CIF, and it's the final, CIF finals. I mean, this is, you're going to be the, the conference champion, and you, you get down. And, I mean, they take it so serious. They got the blocks, and the blocks are all measured out perfect, and you get down, and you're in your blocks, and you, I'm not going to do it because I won't be able to get back up again, but uh, you, and, you, know, you, you get your fingers right up to that line, and they say, on your mark, and then you know, they see the, you know, they see the guys, they shake out their legs like that, and on your mark, get set and their butt goes up in the air, and they fire the gun, and the guy goes, one, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand. You'd go, what? This is important. You know, and they get done, and it's like, what'd you get? I got 41,000. What'd you get? I got 35. Okay, we'll make it 37 and a half. I mean, I, you know, who, who knows? You wouldn't do that because the race is important. Now listen, the Bible describes our life like a race, a really, really important race. And God has created you and has created me to enter into relationship with him, and this life that we engage in, uh, uh, our, our race has a beginning when we're born, and it has an end when we die, and we have to figure out a way to decide what happens at our finish. And what I want to talk about this morning is kind of a doctrine or a <clears throat> kind of a thing that's invaded even the church, but it's very common, and it's the belief that good people go to heaven. The belief that good people go to heaven. And, and here's the thing. It's a dangerous belief, and I'll, I'll explain why. And what we're going to do this morning is I'm going to talk in terms of racing and in, in terms of things. I, I want to give you three reasons why that belief, even though it sounds great, is the worst thing you could possibly believe. It just doesn't make sense. And so um, what I'm, what I'm going to do is we're, we're going to go through it, then we're going to end with some, some scripture. Um, but here, here's, here's the first problem with it. There's no clear standard for good and bad. If you believe that good people go to heaven, what is your standard of good? And what is your standard of bad? And you say, well, I believe that good people make it to heaven, and the standard we'll use is the Bible. You have to throw the Bible out if you believe that. Because here's what the Bible teaches all throughout it. Here's the standard, 
and you don't make it. You cannot live the standard of the Bible. It's clear. It's shown throughout the entire scripture. There is a standard, and you can't make it. So if you're going to say, well, good people go to heaven, and the Bible says, but you're not good, well, then we have to throw the Bible out. And the Bible even says this in Romans uh, chapter 3, verse 23. It says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. See, here's, here's the thing. When we think about God, we describe God in terms of um, he's all-powerful. I think we'd all agree about that. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. You know, he's everywhere, okay? But the thing that most people leave off when I talk to them about the God they believe in is he's holy. He's God holy, not just us holy, not just relatively holy, not just more holy than us. He is ultimately holy. There's no part about him that is not holy. And that word holy means set apart. I mean, he is pure, he is righteous, he is holy. And so that becomes a standard. And we say, well, we can't have that standard of God. Exactly. And so what happens is all of us have fallen short of that glory. Another verse in uh, Romans 3.10 says this, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. Not even one. See, if you have a standard, if you think good people make it to heaven, don't use the Bible as your standard because it doesn't agree with you. It says none of y'all are good, you know, in, in so many words. Okay, and then uh, Romans 3.20, Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. Okay, the, Bible, the Bible's standard of good is there to show us that we're not good. You say, well, what about just the Ten Commandments? I'll just follow the Ten Commandments. I mean, those are good. You have to throw those out too. Because there's nothing in the Bible that says following the Ten Commandments will get you to heaven. Following the Ten Commandments doesn't get you to heaven, okay? Now, we'll get to, we're we're moving along here. So, so, and have you kept the Ten Commandments? No, you've lied. At some point in your life, you've lied. Which for us is like, eh, whatever. That's not that bad. But to a holy God, who's perfectly holy, unacceptable. Unacceptable. And so we can't use the Bible. Um, So what we do is uh, we say, well, everybody kind of has a sense of right and wrong. I believe that God has put in all of us a sense of right and wrong. And as we try to do what is right, God sees that, says, oh, one, one thousand, two, one thousand. Oh, you just made it. That's kind of the belief. But here's the problem. We can't even agree on what's good and what's bad. I mean, yes, God has given us this conscience, this sense, but the problem is we've twisted it. And so now it's really just what's good for me. And I'll I'll give you an example. I, I love the History Channel. I just started watching the History Channel just recently. I, uh, my name is John, and I'm addicted to the History Channel, okay? It is awesome. But here's the thing. Most of the History Channel is just going over wars. Like, that's kind of our world's history. And if you were to go back in time in any one of these wars, and you were to ask one side who was right, they would kill 
to say them. They are the right. Then you go to the other side, and it says wrong. So here we are we, with you guys. We're in World War II. You guys are Germans. Sorry. And uh, you know, you're just like, man, this is it. I know exactly what we're doing. I'm, you're on one end of the gun shooting. Over here, United States. Woo, okay. and, and so, or whatever. And, 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 and you guys are like, no, we are right. Now, how is it if we've all been given this conscience? Conscience. Okay. We've all been given it. How come we're coming to different conclusions? 200 years ago in this country, you could be in a church, the pastor could be preaching a message, granted, not as good as mine, but he'd be preaching a message, and he'd be, he'd, he'd be reading from the same word of God, and people would be saying, amen, amen, you know, and they're praying, Lord, what do you have for my life, or whatever, and they have slaves. And you, now we go, man, that's terrible. But th- they were going to church and you know, like, like Dennis was saying, we're a free Methodist church. One of the reasons we kind of pulled out of the Methodist church and became free Methodists, the reason that free is there is because we were opposed to slavery. We wanted it abolished. And so we wanted everyone to be able to worship regardless of, of race. And so we understood that back then, but they didn't. Now, why? Are they good? Are they bad? What? There's no standard. Turn on CNN. And watch the Democrats and the Republicans go after it. I mean, they just are going crazy with each other. He, this person, this person, and what? They believe they're right. Same conscience given to all humans, and yet we can't come to a standard of what is good and what is bad. Now, second, second issue. We don't know what the passing grade is. Let, let's say we could decide what was good. How good do you need to be to make it to heaven? Oh, a D, a C. Well, it couldn't be a D because you'd get in trouble if you got a D. I mean, every, most, I mean, some parents are just like, whew, got the, you, you made it to the 10th grade. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah. Other parents are getting in trouble. But I mean, again, does that not prove my point? See? So you go, okay, D, okay. No, it should, it should probably be a C because that's average and it's better to be average. And, you know, aren't we all average? And aren't we all trying? I mean, the, this idea that good people go to heaven, it just sounds right, but it couldn't be more wrong. What's the standard of good? What's the standard of bad? What's the passing grade? So we, we level it on a C. Okay, it's a C. How do we weigh what's good? If I give money to a homeless person, can I watch an R-rated movie? If I, you know, and what I love, my, my favorite standard is this one. As I'm talking to people about God and stuff, um, uh, what'll happen is, when you're a pastor and you're in a, in a situation outside of church, you get into normal conversations of what do you do, what do you do, what do you do? And so the f- one person will say, I'm a doctor, and then everyone will try to like relate to him at doctor level. So they say stuff like, oh, have you ever, you know, sewn anybody's, you know, opened anybody's chest up? What's the grossest thing you've ever done? You know, you, and the guy's just going, oh, brother. Or you talk to a police officer, you know, have you ever shot anybody? Or you talk to whatever. You know, it's really bad when you're a pastor, <laughs> Because you go, oh, and I'm a pastor. And they go, uh, yeah, I believe in God. I'm like, <laughs> so do I. What does that have to do with anything, right? And so it, it's, it's awkward and it's weird and all this kind of stuff. And if you're playing golf, they usually have to apologize for the last eight holes. You know, <laughs> I normally don't talk like that. But see, I have Tourette's syndrome and I just, I don't know, and I, all this kind of stuff. And so, so uh, 
it, it gets into God and, 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 and everything, and I believe in God. And I just love having people defend their faith and say, well, what is he like, your God? What is, it, what, what is this? And, and, and so finally we get to this thing, this idea that's so pervasive of, well, good people are going to make it to heaven. And, and, and basically this is the step. Well, I've never killed anybody. Oh. No more questions, Your Honor. I'm done. I don't have anything. I can't answer that. Oh, wow. You haven't killed anyone. I think he's good to go. He hasn't killed anyone. Uh, what kind of standard is that? Now listen, what if he did kill somebody? Is he disqualified under our passing grade? I mean, what if he killed somebody at age seven and went to prison and then fed the homeless for the rest of his life? Oh, no, then, you know, he got an F in the beginning, but then he got A's, so that kind of averages it out. I mean, what, is a lie graded different? Do you get the first seven years as kind of just a nod and a wink, like, yeah, you didn't know any better, you're seven, but now when you're eight? I mean, it makes no sense to not have it spelled out clearly and concisely would be unfair. Imagine my daughter, who's a teenager now, or has been for, I don't know, I don't even want to talk about it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, my, my, my daughter, okay, she's 16, so let's say she goes out with her friends, and I say, okay, here's the deal. Uh, you can go out with your friends. I want you back. If you are one second past your curfew, you will never go out again. She says, oh, okay, what's the curfew? I'm not going to tell you. I'm not, I'm just, don't, just, you just, you just worry about getting back here on time. Okay, well, can you give me a, can you just give me like a ballpark? No, no, I can't, I can't. It's, it's in there somewhere. So you just, now, now listen, which is more unfair to say your curfew's nine and all our friends are, are like midnight but I've defined it, and I say, you're past a second past nine, you're not going to go out again. And here's the thing, where are you going? Oh, we're going into Whittier. Okay, you bet, when you come back, leave room, because you might get in traffic, the, the 605 gets backed up at the five, and all this kind of stuff, and, I, and I'm helping her get, okay, which is more loving, to give her a definitive law, to say, this is it, one second over and you're done, and I give her the time, or to just go, hey, good luck, I'm not going to tell you what the grade is. You're just going to have to hope at the very end you're going to figure it out. Or you get a job and you're at your cubicle and you're excited and it pays great and it's an answer to your dreams and your boss comes up and says, hey, here's the deal. You know, we've hired you. We're excited that you're here. In two months, you're going to get an evaluation and if you don't measure, if you don't get to some certain standards, we're going to fire you. Oh, okay, what are the standards? Ah, uh, we're not going to tell you. Just good luck. Work hard. Well, what do I do? Uh, just, we don't give that information out. You just do your best, and we'll figure it out. Well, what's my job description? Yeah, we don't, we don't really do those. What am I going to be evaluated on? Well, you'll, you'll know when you get there. Like, what, what, what in the world? And yet this is good people go to heaven doctrine. What, by what standard? I don't know, good. Good for who? Well, good for God knows. Could he tell me? No, no. We're just going to. You just figure it out. He'll know. He sees your heart and you know. Well, what happens at the end? Well, you'll figure it out. You know, let's say the grade's 80%, you know, and God's up there and you got a 
How you walk up and God's going, it doesn't happen this way, just so you know. I'm just doing it for the thing. For those people, like, oh, it's not in the Bible, okay? So you walk up and God's there and he's like, oh, let's see what you got. Pulls out your report card. Oh, 79.999. You're like, oh, that's pretty good. That's a close to a B average there. I'm doing all right. And he's like, nah, it was 80%. As a matter of fact, if you had given a dollar to a homeless person, it would have put you over the edge. But <laughs> Peter, look at that. Peter's like, yeah, it's a 79.9. See you later. Is that a loving God? See, to say there's one way to heaven for us sounds so closed-minded and sounds so harsh and sounds so unloving. And, but is it? It's not. See, good people go to heaven. How? What's good? What's bad? If you even knew good and bad, how do you weigh what's good and bad? You've never killed anybody. What? What if you tried to kill somebody and it didn't work? What if you helped somebody kill somebody? What, I mean, none of it, it just doesn't make any sense. The third, the third thing that I, I, I want us to see is uh, it, it makes it appear like we have more insight into this than Jesus. Like, see, Jesus has spoken on this issue, and if there's going to be an issue about where you spend eternity and how you enter in a relationship with God and how you get over this sin problem, I think Jesus would probably be a pretty good authority on this. And the good people go to heaven thing says, yeah, Jesus didn't know what he's talking about, or he's a liar or whatever. See, here's the deal. Why would we place our eternity on the back of a system we invented ourselves? Well, why would we take a risk and go, yeah, I think I'm going to make it? Why? Couldn't tell you. Just think I'm good enough. What's good enough? Yeah, don't know, but it, I'm pretty much there. What's the grade scale? Yeah, so Jesus talks about this. Here, here's what he does. See, Jesus came down at a time. Jesus, Jesus is um, uh, the Son of God. And God sent his only son, Jesus, who was fully man and fully divine. And he sends him down at a time when there were people who believed this very doctrine. Probably at the height of it, they were called Pharisees. And their job, their full-time job, was to define exactly what we're talking about. How good is good enough? And so they had a whole system set out. And Jesus comes down and he says, you know what? Unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you're not going to make it to the kingdom of heaven. And you say, Jesus, that is closed-minded, that is unfair, or what, you say whatever you want. But here's the thing. The more important the race, the more clearly defined the rules have to be. And so Jesus comes down, he says to these Pharisees, guess what, guys? You're not going to make it. But guess what, evil person? Your sins are forgiven. And here's the point of the sermon, and you can write it on. There's one part on your notes there that you can write. Forgiven people go to heaven. Not good people. Forgiven people. Do you know how freeing that is? Do you know how amazing that is? It releases me from having to go, am I good enough? Did I do it right? What am I going to do? I believe in God. I believe there's a heaven. I believe there's a hell. It's eternity. This race is important. 
how I, fin- how I cross that finish line without being disqualified is important. I am so glad I don't have to figure it out myself. That's why it's called the gospel. It's called the good news. There's good news. There is an important race. And your eternity rests on this race, on how you finish, on how you do not disqualify yourself by running within the rules that God has set out. And you say, but man, one way to heaven, Jesus, it's the most loving thing ever. I want to read a scripture to you. I told you we're going to get into the Bible. Uh, It's in Romans chapter 10. And what it does is, Paul's talking to the church in Rome, and he's, Romans is a real doctrinal book. I mean, he really gets to some, uh, some heavy issues in Romans. And in Romans chapter 10, verse 12, he gets to the heart of what we're talking about. And he says this, he says, For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses, listen, all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's not closed-minded. It's the fairest system ever. Everyone qualifies and everyone can finish. Now you go to you go to the CIF things, you know, it's the top three, then the top three, then the top three, and then there's a champion, and that's it. The way God has designed is look, there's there are rules but everybody's qualified. We can all enter the race, and we can all finish. And this race is important. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all. It's not based on what we think is good, what we think is bad. It's based on Jesus Christ and a relationship with him, which anyone can enter. There's a famous verse in the Bible uh, and you'll see it sometimes if you go to uh, baseball games or whatever, or you see a guy with real big hair, uh, he'll hold up a sign, or sometimes you'll be walking um, in the city, and there'll be someone with a sandwich board that says, you know, tur- you know turn or do- burn or whatever, and uh, he's got the verse written on it, and it's John three sixteen. and even if you don't believe in God or you- you're just kind of new to this whole thing, you probably know parts of it, because It speaks to this issue perfectly. And it says this, For God so loved the world. You guys are going, you're a pastor and you have to read this? Too bad. I, I get the versions all mixed up. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him, whoever believes in him, shall not perish but have eternal life. It's such a fair system, it's only, almost unfair. I mean, it, it's, it's so inclusive. It's like, man, everyone who believes in the name of Jesus and what he did on the cross, everyone who accepts the standard of I'm not good enough, I, I can't make it, and yet Jesus dies on the cross for my sins. I want that. I want to give my life to that. I want to run a race that's marked out for me I, 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 under those guidelines. That's exactly what it says. God loved the world. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish. You don't have to be good enough. You just have to be forgiven. Those are the rules. And they're very, very clear. 
because the race is important and we want to make sure we get it right. I want to read one other section of scripture and this is, um, you know, kind of going back to the idea of the race. The author of Hebrews uh, is writing with a lot of imagery and so prior to this verse we're going to read, he's been talking about these people who've run the race before and, and what they had to endure and what they had to see and kind of how it was marked out for them. And it, basically, they, they, it, it goes down, uh, it, they, were, they were tortured and they were sawn in two and all this gross stuff. And they went through all this kind of stuff and you're like, man, how do you, how do you get past, I mean, how do you do that? How do I, if the race is, is, is important, how do I run that way? And basically the answer is faith. We do it by faith. We can't prove it. We, can't, we just say, God, there's a stirring in my spirit. I just know it to be true. I don't measure up to you. You are holy. And I need your son, Jesus, to forgive me. So it's called the hall of faith. And what, what they do is they, they kind of, uh, uh, the writer of Hebrews paints the picture of the stadium and then places all these guys and gals who've gone before and have made it in the stands. And they're in the stands looking down at us, cheering, going, you can do this. Yes, that's it. Faith in Christ, that's it. They, they know, they're sitting, they're done, and they're watching. And here's what it says in, in uh, he, Hebrews 12. It says this, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let's run with perseverance. Listen, the race marked out for us. It's not an arbitrary race. It's not just run wherever you want, go around, and you know what? God will look at it and go, hey, you clocked in 12 miles, good job. He's not going to sit up there and go, three, 1,000, oh, man. There's a race marked out out for us so he says get rid of all the stuff that's holding you back these guys went through it and they know they're cheering they're saying yes faith in christ faith in christ god can do it just stay on the course stay on the track marked out for you now say, how do we do that how, how, how do we do that i mean how do i have this now listen this is so this, this is the greatest part in verse two so great i'm stuttering listen <laughs> Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. See, good enough just ain't good enough because we don't know what good is and we don't know what enough is. And so we run this race with faith in Jesus Christ, what he did on the cross, and the Bible, the law, the, this book says, here's the standard, you're not good enough, but guess what? God paid for your ticket. You just have to accept it. 